Welcome back. Just make sure that if you're going to start <laughs> recording, <laughs> just make sure that like no one is interrupting you or no one's talking over each other, okay? <laughs> I got to compose myself after that one. I got really angry. <laughs> I got really angry. All right. Give me just a second. All right. Okay. Welcome back to the it talk. It would be really bad for like... <laughs> hey, man. I need you to stop. Like, seriously. We have a guest here, and you're acting like a five-year-old. I have to be somewhere. Okay. Welcome back to the Talk You Walk podcast. I'm your host, as always, Austin Lipka. And with me... What are you laughing about? Oh, my God. And with me, as always, are two co-hosts. Noah Wilburn. Hi. I am George Miller. Yeah. And I am their guest, Taylor Shrum. And this is our guest, Taylor Shrum, Wait who is... Wait you did that last time, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, where you introduced yourself and you're like, oh, man, thanks for taking initiative. Yeah, I yeah, callback. <laughs> I remember that. You know what? All right. Well, Gotta let it, the people know. Yeah, you have to. You have to. Because if Just you, in case if you didn't watch the teaser, I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. No, if you didn't watch the teaser, this is going to be the full-length episode. Don't get it twisted. Things will be different in this episode as far as the questions go. But we also want to touch back on some of the things that we said to kind of get a little bit deeper into them. Because one of the things I heard from you guys is that you loved what we talked about, but you didn't think that we went deep enough with it. So that's kind of what we're going to do on is this that one. that what they said? Yeah. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. Wow. So yeah. There was like at least like seven comments on the video and like four of them were me. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would tell people that, but um, I appreciate you. It's a good thing it's not true. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say yeah, you're no not. Comments. You don't. You 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 don't. You don't. You don't go on social media whatsoever. Anyways, um, <laughs> do you have an actual question? No. All right. Well. I just wanted to move away. All right. Well, what I wanted to say is that you don't really use social media because you don't really see the practical use. In yeah. It. No, I wanted to move away from that. No, I, no, I, 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 that's, that's where I'm going with it. Is the fact that last time one of the things that we didn't really touch on is social media. Mm -hmm. So with podcasting you know, and what we're doing personally for us and everything that we talked about last episode with how things have kind of evolved and some things have actually gone back to the same place, like with audio, mm -hmm. how has social media had a way in really changing the game as far as getting podcasting out there? Because there's some people that I know that do it, you know, they do it on social media where they do their, they do their uh, podcast on, you know, Facebook. Some of them do them on Twitter. Um, what, you know, is social media really integral if you want to grow something like that on the internet right now? Yes. Yeah. I think for, for sharing it like outbound marketing, you definitely have to be pushing it all day, all night mm -hmm. on social media. Um, I don't think that that's the only way to market a podcast. And I definitely don't think that it's the most effective way. I think the, if I was asked what the most effective way to market a podcast would be. What's the most effective way to market a podcast? Huh. <laughs> well, funny you should ask that. Well, uh, I'd say just having on quality um, guests, mm -hmm. you know, people and that content. are exactly the content is really king, and the creativity behind the content is really what drives um, people to come back. And um, I think that we're we're kind of edging around, you know, how social media interacts with podcasts, right? And actually, when we went off mic last time, when we finished, I, I briefly shared my theory of the future which is that there will be two social medias or something like this. One of them will look like Twitter and one of them will look like a conglomeration of, of YouTube and podcasts. And mm -hmm. basically what that means is that there's two ways of consuming uh, information and that's quickly and up to date and you know just snapshots of objective facts or 
you know, counterfacts, anti-facts. Yeah. Um, and Wait, then what does that mean? I'm sorry. Counterfacts and anti-facts. Well, it would just be yeah. like, so the definition of a fact is a statement that is provable or disprovable. Okay. Kind of the same way that you have fake news. Yeah. Fake news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so I, to some extent, a, uh, an opinion can be quickly shared on Twitter as well. And that's, but, but now you're getting into like what the other social media I think is that will exist, which is more podcasts, which is the, the in-depth, uh, extrapolation, the in-depth insights onto, um, why I tweeted a very specific thing. Uh, so, so just okay. to kind of summarize, there's two, I see two different social medias of the future sustainably. And that is something like Twitter where it's very just quick, objective, the I what? like this issue. I hate this issue. The what? And then the what? Exactly. Oh, yeah. And then the podcast kind of comes in and serves as the, the why. why. Why do I hate this issue or love this issue? Yeah. No, and that's definitely a good way to do it because honestly, you have Twitter, but it's such a, I, this may be the wrong word, but it feels so crowded that it's almost like if you do have something to say or you have an opinion, it's almost kind of like you're speaking into a void. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to tell you that, I, at least that I've heard, you know, motivational people and people in business say that, well, it's not like that. Anybody can have their voice heard. But at the end of the day, if you have a bigger following or if you have somewhat of a name for yourself on the internet, your chances of being heard on a, on a topic or an issue are way above anybody that doesn't. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to that, that I mean, it kind of sounds like that would be the only way to really effectively let anyone and everyone be heard especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to being on a platform that allows them to take in content like that yeah but with social media it's weird because you look at one of the ones that was like one of the first staples that really cemented and that was myspace Mm -hmm. then you had facebook and then you had instagram then you had twitter and all those things came along but what, what i find so weird is that you had one um i think it was either a year ago or two years ago vero vero or whatever it was called never heard of it no really okay so it got really big in I think Los Angeles, a lot of the podcasts that I listened to that are on the West Coast started talking about it and started using it for like six months, and then it just disappeared. Mm-hmm. But from what I could tell, there was nothing that really made it stand out other than the user interface of it was way more simple than anything that you had seen on like Facebook and everything like that. What is the science of making something like that work with social media? Why, why was Facebook so successful when something that could be so similar, but it doesn't have the Facebook name fails? Mm-hmm. Well, I oh. mean, the the reason why Vine failed was because they couldn't monetize it, yeah. you know, which is a really big surprise because they have what is now currency, which is attention. They had a ton of attention on Vine, mm-hmm. but um, you know, tw- so Twitter owned Vine. Yeah, Vine. Vine was a weird one, and um, so they just they couldn't monetize it for themselves. Well, Peop- a lot of people were making money off Vine, but not Vine. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, well, and that can be said for a lot of these platforms now i mean only only it's the opposite like for music artists Mm -hmm. when we were talking about this with zay um like spotify and excuse me my voice is like on but spotify and the other like soundcloud like they make all the money and then all the artists they only make like 0.09 something cents that's why napster yeah that's why napster was such a big deal who was it uh metallica or one of them tried to fight it when music went digital because of how much, you know, how less musicians were going to make because of it. Because Mm -hmm. once you make it something that's so consumable, you then lose reason to want to buy a CD or buy an album or give these people purchases. And then their only form of money that's incoming is from touring 24 seven and selling as much merchandise as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you, uh, that's how you make money in music today. Yeah. And that's just the way that it is. Like there's no, 
there's no alternative to that really mm -hmm. um you know i guess you could you could try to only sell cds or only sell like records but a your niche is going to be really small because i don't even i don't even know how it would play a cd like a regular <laughs> cd and, and much less a cassette tape yeah or a uh or a record but um yeah so so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how musicians kind of uh, go down that road yeah oh what was that? i was gonna say something and then i got distracted um Something, something about um, reaching, something about <clears throat> oh, oh, that's right. Uh, with Vine, like Vine kind of died off because yeah, they weren't making money. But then, what about these new ones that kind of like Zeus? Did you see that one? I know TikTok and oh, musically yeah. and TikTok. Yeah, well, like you know what I mean. Like yeah. musically, it was like well, first it was well, it wasn't musically. Musically was first. Then no, musically was first, and then it and turned then into TikTok. TikTok and yeah, then, musically kind of. I think they got wind that Vine was going to be dropping off and they, you know, launched, put a lot of money in head on marketing to kind of play off of Vine. And they got a lot of like big Viners to start using it. And then, you know, that worked. I don't know where Musical.ly is today. I don't use Well, Musical.ly, I, I correct. I, if you're listening to this, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but Musical.ly was shut down. And then another company that was kind of what you would call like a, uh, nobody really knew about it kind of bought them out and then turned it into TikTok, mm -hmm. which is literally to a T the same thing as musically just with a, like an extra couple added features. Mm -hmm. But what I want to go back to is vine. Cause vine is weird to me because it's, even though that the user interface and of course the community around vine was way different than what you would see TikTok being right now, mm -hmm. vine died because the creators themselves got selfish mm -hmm. because once they learned their worth and what advertising would do, on their channels if they did promoted content, they then asked Vine, okay, well, you're gonna give this, this amount of money to post these many videos per you know per capita. So there's actually articles that were written with people that were insiders in that. They were like, Vine got all of the biggest Vine creators together in LA and said, you know, hey, how can we make this work? We wanna keep this alive, this is, you know. And instead of getting together and deciding, hey, we wanna keep the platform alive that basically brought us to the table, that brought us to being millionaires, we're gonna ask for more money or basically screw you. And mm -hmm. so that's why Vine died. And so you see, like you said, the Vine creators that went over to TikTok or YouTube, and it's kind of been what you would like an invasion of people that kind of just came from this platform. A lot of them either didn't have a talent, had very cheap comedy. Some of them, valid, you know, valid content that was extremely funny or really entertaining. Mm -hmm. But they were, you know, few and far between. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so the majority of the people that went over to YouTube and TikTok were usually these people that don't really have a talent other than looking kind of attractive mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of odd where you see the the <laughs> shift in what people can ask for money wise all because it's supporting a brand or getting a you know an advertisement out there yeah I mean, that's what it's all about though it's just advertising building a brand that's how yeah. people so tiktok's an interesting story because i believe that they're they're a chinese company right really? they're, yeah they're not a uh they're not a free market company, you would say. And so the, one of the reasons why Vine failed is because it wasn't making sense from a monetary standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. But China doesn't have to have the same playing field because they can get a lot of money just from their government, right? Yeah. So theoretically, China's still a communist state. So a communist country owns TikTok, which means they don't, they're not subject to supply and demand. Like, you know, if, if it costs... That's not meant to sound nefarious, but it does. Yeah. Just in, like, the common sense theme of it, of saying, like, yeah. well, it's owned by a communist country, so yeah. 
it can never fail. So if <laughs> if Twitter was paying like Amazon or Google, you know, uh, let's pick a number out of a hat here, uh, five million dollars a month for server space, mm-hmm. China may not have to pay that because either they can produce servers for a lot cheaper. I mean, it's been it's been like what four or five years since Vine failed, so server space costs have gone down quite a bit. So you have that going mm-hmm. for them. Um, like microprocessors have gone down. We mentioned Moore's Law in part one. Yeah, go, go check back it to out. That teaser. Um, but then you also have the fact that the Chinese government can say, hey, if we see enough of interest in TikTok existing, it's going to exist cause be, because we want it to, not yeah. because it's going to make money or whatever. But, you know, with a lot of these apps, uh, if you go to an investor with a new app idea and you don't have, um, you know, data sales as part of your business model, you're not going to be taken seriously unless you're explicitly going out there and saying that we're making the ethical choice not to sell our users data. Because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, if you think about it, what Robinhood, like Instagram, Facebook, it's all free, right? Yeah. So how are they there? Well, they're there for either they're making money from advertising or you're the product and your data is what they're selling to marketers. And so there's this saying in the that's tech terrible. community is um, if, a, if a product is free, you're the wait, if an app is free, then you're the product, right? So, so if you're not paying, then you're the product. That's what it is. The data, the data is what scares me. Yeah. Well, okay. So then that's a good place. That's a direction to go because there's kind of two camps, right? There's the, there's the uh, Zuckerberg camp, which is that we should really open up our concept of privacy and that we should abandon a lot of what we've thought of. Like, like, why is it a problem to me? that my buying behaviors would lead me to buy more Tide laundry detergent than generic brand laundry detergent, right? That doesn't hurt me that the corporate world knows that. Hmm. I don't think that it does. When you get into more of the political stuff, though, that's where it's a problem, and that's where Cambridge Analytica and Facebook got in trouble with the U.S. government, yeah. is that... You and know, then nothing came of it. That's, well, it, well, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg had to sit there for, like, what, seven <laughs> hours in front of the Senate and, look like a lizard and get all the, the memes. Time. Yeah, <laughs> so... All the memes. But it's just, like... I, I, call me crazy, but in the last year, I feel like out of all of these people that have been brought into Supreme Court to to be to answer for their actions, mm-hmm. it's always resulted in a slap in the wrist or nothing happening. Period. Well, that's because these are all just okay. And this is my somewhat my opinion, but it's also kind of objective. Is that these are all somewhat just tests to see how the stock market kind of handles these questions and answers. Really, the real the real test will be if a democratic. Um, or a, a, a politician from the Democratic Party gets elected because uh, specifically Elizabeth Warren has talked a lot about breaking up the big com- tech companies mm-hmm. um, like uh, Amazon and Facebook specifically. So if those, if a, if a Democrat um, gets into the office, you know, then, you, then you'll start to see the stock market getting really weary of these tech companies' true value. And if you look at them, you know, their PDE ratios are crazy high. Yeah. So, They're which means... Which mean like their price to earnings. So like, oh, okay. so the, the the price of the stocks are way way overinflated. Like Google and Amazon. Do you know how much they are per share? Mm-mm. So like Ford Motors per share. Actually, that's a bad example. Like Walmart. Let's just let's pick one that I actually know. <laughs> On average, like a a, a, um, a Dow Jones or S and P five hundred stock. We don't have to talk about the stock market the whole time. But this that's is just funny. kind of showing you the the crossroads of business and tech, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like if you I feel like if you're on these social media sites, even if you don't care about it, the things that we're talking about right now yeah. are going to play an important role in the next, I'd say, five years into how you use social media and if you want to build something for yourself, where mm-hmm. you where do you go from there? That's mm-hmm. kind of what 
the quite first question was. Well, but yeah, yeah she probably was going to mm-hmm. more. <laughs> yeah. So, so for example, Verizon is like a rate, you know, it's a stock everybody's heard of, a company everybody's heard of. It, I think it trades right now at like $48 a share, right? So Google and Am- Google is actually really low right now. It's actually a great buy. Um, but this, that comment should not be taken as financial advice. <laughs> uh, and this, this, po- the, the purchase of this podcast does not represent a receipt for any financial advice. Your guest Taylor Shrum. So, um, Google is a thousand dollars a share. Apple is wow. like a uh, 199, something like somewhere around, yeah, $200 a share. And then, and then Amazon is $1,800 a share. Why? Because people see so much potential in these companies for the future. And, and, and to some extent, there's an economic argument to be made that they really are worth that much, that much money. I mean, yeah. so <clears throat> Apple in 2017 was the first to be the first corporation worth $1 trillion. Now they've been, um, they've come back, like now they're only worth, only worth $999 billion, oh, right? But Microsoft, yeah. of all companies, right, is now in the lead at over a trillion dollars in, in uh, total um, market cap. So um, the reason I'm bringing all this up is because these companies are making money and they're very attractive to investors because of the amount of users that they have and what that body of users means to advertisers and marketers um, in terms of what that, how reliable and valid the data is. Uh-huh. And these companies, are they're, they're, there's no one better other than maybe governments at, at, at collecting data and then making that available for yeah. low cost for for people like Tide and Shell Gap, I mean, anybody who wants to sell you anything. So yeah. well, Gillette, Nike. Well, like you said earlier about, you know, why would I care if the government knows about what kind of brand detergent have I, you know, mm-hmm. that I choose over the other. What I, where I think it gets scary is not just about political reasons, but mm-hmm. the youth, mm-hmm. you know, kids being advertised these products that, uh, mm-hmm. God, what is it? Like the, the skinny fit teas and the, 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 the gummies and the, the, the yeah. things like that. And the, the things that they're trying to sell these kids that they end up growing up and thinking that they need, mm-hmm. it's, it's predatory. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same thing that you have actually going on right now. And those right up, you know, could be right up our alleys that loot boxes and gambling and games right now is that it's absolutely insane. The data that's being used against kids mm-hmm. right now in games like, you know, Fortnite things, mm-hmm. you know, they, the shit posting around that is already so big that mm-hmm. I don't have to go on a long list of things. What's what, what's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. But it's there, mm-hmm. not just in merchandising and selling products to kids, mm-hmm. but also how we sell products to them on yeah. things that they, we know that they do for hobbies like video games and other things like yeah. you know mobile apps on phones. Yeah, and yeah. So what? How how much time do we have now? No, we got like twenty two minutes. We got twenty two minutes. Yeah. So I know that we wanted to pivot to AI and the job market at some yes. point. Yes. Yes. But um, yeah, I mean to kind of wrap up this thought. You know, I've probably when I was about 16, so that would have been around 2015, 16, mm-hmm. 2000, yeah, somewhere in there, I realized that, you know, my data was for sale. And so I never got a Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I, when I learned what ad blockers were on Google Chrome and like browsers, I installed them. Yeah. Um, now I still see ads that are relevant to me and based off things I search. Mostly yeah. because I have an Amazon account, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, it's good to be aware, and I think that I think that Zuckerberg's vision of the future is probably what will come into fruition. I think that, like you know, the conservative, you know, Senate politician is not 
you know, their vision of the future is not what's going to be. No. Um, now, all of this conversation could be erased if we descend into nuclear war and an atom bomb is, you know, uh, executed in our atmosphere because the none internet, of that matters. <laughs> the internet is dissolved and everybody's data is probably lost unless it's stored on a hard drive. So, um, you know, just be aware and and try to think of ways that you can you can uh, make money off of that reality instead of fearing it. Hmm. Yeah. Long term or short term? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm asking like, mm-hmm. oh, like long term or short term? I mean, do you think things will change in the next five years or? Yeah. Well, regarding regarding with the whole data stuff, God, mm-hmm. I cannot talk. I I think uh-huh. that. In America, it's not going to change to where it's going to harm anyone. You know, you might see, you know, events in the margins, like with kids, you said, yeah. or with like people who are predictably targeted, you know, like uneducated folks or older folks. people. Yeah, or older people, exactly. Yeah. Folks on the margin, and, and well, with the older people, that could happen at a very high rate, and it is. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of scams. I, I mean, it's like in the, it's in, it's in the, there is a number out there. I want to say it's like $40 billion is scammed from, old people i don't know what the age cut off yeah. is uh, a year which is insane yeah that's crazy that's crazy that's like yeah that's a lot so you know, you know where's that money going you know if, if people are if it's uh, not going back into the system where is it going well it's going to the pockets of the types of people who uh feel ethically uh okay with stealing money from old people which are not good people no usually unless it's some you know rogue vigilante group online who's like doing it to to fund some <laughs> good but that's that's highly unlikely yeah you know with so. with with the conversation of data being brought up ai mm-hmm. what i think is so interesting is that we're talking about data in the way that it's brought up and how it's a sellable it's not it's, mm-hmm. don't know if that's a word it's a tradable commodity mm-hmm. you know data mm-hmm. with ai being introduced when therefore does it turn from being something that's brought into the marketplace and then ai is something that can be then brought Mm -hmm. brought into the marketplace for Mm -hmm. things like facebook youtube stuff like that Mm -hmm. because i think again we touched about it we touched up on it in the last episode with youtube and its algorithm and how these companies have algorithms to see what's advertiser friendly with ai how much of that you know what is going to be controlling what we trade and how we act on the internet in the future from now Mm -hmm. what is going to be controlling it yeah. Well, probably not humans. I think we're already well past that. Yeah. I think humans are still creating the the creative advertisement itself, right? But I could um, I could also see a future where um, an algorithm is programmed to say this demographic of people, and I'll just describe myself like um, males ages eighteen to thirty five, mm-hmm. um, living in Florida with this year of car, like. Um, you know, we want to market them, stick to Tide Laundry, right? Yeah. What I could see happening is an algorithm getting that command and then scraping all my social media. So everything I've ever tweeted, all the pictures I posted and liked, and then creating an advertisement specifically for me and then making sure that it gets in front of me through YouTube or Instagram or whatever. That could be really interesting and I don't fear that because if it's something that's more effectively communicating to me that an item that would benefit my life is on discount, that's a good thing, right? Not just for me, but if, if you scale that out, it's good for the economy, right? But I mean, I feel like that's already happening anyways. Like, I, I went on an insurance site, like, was it last year? 
on an insurance site and next thing I know, I type some information in mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh, this isn't for me, whatever. Mm-hmm. Close it out. Next thing I know, the next day, oh, anybody with a 2009 Hyundai Genesis with such and such this should take a look at what we have to offer. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's not creepy at all. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. happening, but there's still a human who's inserting the image, right? And then, then telling the algorithm like, uh, that so what you were not a victim, but you were, what would be a better word? You were a victim of remarketing. So you went onto a site, and based on what you searched, the cookies. Do we all know what cookies are to some extent? Yes, to some extent. Uh, yeah. It's basically data that just follows you around. Mm-hmm. And if you have the ad blockers, and if you have certain uh, plugins to your browser, you can mitigate a little bit of that. But again, you need to ask yourself: Do I really want to mitigate that? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Um, but yeah, so when you, car insurance is a big one. Car, car insurance yeah. companies are like one of the biggest spenders for advertising, um, like Geico and Progressive, and then all the millions of other small, small cap ones. So, you know, they're going to do everything they can to get it, to get in front of you. But, but my point is that there's still a human making that advertisement and then uploading that to the machine that then does say, the rest. So you're going to say the machine is going to be doing all the thinking. Right. And so I actually worked with a guy who was trying, um, he just didn't, he couldn't con- he actually get through the, the business back end of it, but he created an algorithm that would scrape through the Twitter language of everybody you follow and like. And then in, so instead of just putting out a generic buy this Tide laundry because it's so great for you. It would actually take the syntax and word choice from all of the things that you've liked on Twitter and it would recreate a perfect message for you. So if I'm like an urban youth, it's not going to say, you know, something that an old person would be attracted to. It would, it would say, or what's up, playa? Yeah. You trying to get fresh, trying to get clean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so that's a possibility that may already be happening, but it's the image that's really interesting to me because if you think about how much goes into you know uh, getting an Adobe, Adobe Photoshop or Adobe Illustrator, opening that up and then thinking about the customer and how you can target them and attract them. What kind of lights? What kind of um, fonts? What and kind of colors? Well, and then what yeah. kind? Is it an attractive female? Attractive male? Is it a cute dog? All of that could be determined by an algorithm. It might already be, but my hunch is that it probably isn't yet. What would be really interesting is if these algorithms are given this command and then do something that no one ever has thought about doing. So Madison Avenue is in is the street in New York where all of the highest paid marketers like live, right? Yeah. So that could, could effectively be a ghost town if these algorithms can say, you know, can produce an, an advertisement that is just way better and more effective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the average click-through rate is a good click-through rate for a lot of these advertisements is below 5%. Mm. So if an algorithm can create something that can beat that, like why have all these humans and buildings taking up air conditioning and utility bills when we can just run a machine to do it? Right. Um, and that's a good thing too. Like now we can kind of transition into employment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good thing for complex economic reasons that are kind of counterintuitive. But so, so if I may, I mean, I'm taking, I'm, I'm being a little bit of a dominant guest here. No, so. no, 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 no. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, and, I, and a lot of this is just kind of like new territory for me to think. Um, so instead of like an advertisement where like, let's say dog food, like there's a, you know, which you would expect, like a woman and her kids playing with their dog and then the dog gets hungry and they 
pour this certain type of dog food and the dog smiles and there's some you know cgi involved if instead of that hum if if the algorithm can conclude that humans are clicking through and purchasing at a higher rate because you're just flashing like yellow and green and then the dog food brand and then yellow and green and somehow that triggers a stronger emotional association mm -hmm. like why would it not do that yeah from a from a stamp from like a purely economic utilitarian standpoint because you think about it first and it's like what that'd be so weird right but at the same time if it's doing the job then yeah but think about the old spice commercials right i'm pretty sure those were made by humans but like they're wacky they're crazy they're yeah. they're 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 known for being non for being non-traditional um but it's like it's like some dude who's like a half pegasus and he's like yelling and then the bolt the walls explode it's like nobody in the the 70s or 60s would have come up with that kind of marketing right. concept or but now that's yeah. what works to sell men body wash and shampoo i think that the future is going to be very bizarre my friends and that the advertisements and the content you know uh is going to be pretty pretty interesting bbc has a has a podcast called on the media and they um they had this this gentleman on who worked for the bbc and does all the advertising right and one of the things that they talked about and this is really really fresh very relevant um information right here yeah. is that the majority of the content that you hear on any news outlet like the majority, like sometimes up to 80% is, is written by PR companies. So companies that are, are paid by their, by their members, let's say the meat, not the American meat association, right? Is, you know, they hire a PR company or they turn themselves into a PR company. And then, you know, some syndication that handles the content for 30 different local news sites you know, that suddenly there's a drought in the news cycle. So they go to these PR companies and they say, you know, hey, write us a story. And if it happens to, you know, help your bottom line and sell more meat for your members, we don't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. um, but when you scale that out, um, so, so that alone should be pretty shocking. Yeah. That, that, that PR companies write the majority of what you watch and listen to. And that's why podcasting is pretty attractive because human beings like the, like, like Joe Rogan, and um, you know myself, other people. I'm not comparing myself to Joe Rogan, but because nah, yeah. um, nah. I'm way better, obviously. <laughs> exactly. But, there you go. <laughs> but um, you know, it's 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 pretty radical. Yeah. It's pretty radical that that podcasting can kind of like circumvent that because it's often a one man show or a one or two people show. Yeah. And so there's not going to be a lot of room for um, taking on you know PR uh, content un until it is. So maybe we can transition to, into the uh, the unemployment rate. Well, what I want to say about AI as we kind of get ready to wrap things up here is that with AI, the way that I think that correlates to podcasting is so well is what you just said, mm -hmm. is that podcasting is usually done by a human being that's sitting at a table talking to the camera, mm -hmm. either with a guest or they have a co-host. Mm -hmm. With AI, especially with what we were talking about with marketing and ads, you're always going to have a touch. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, that's a broad state for me to make. Mm -hmm. I can't even say that we're always going to have that, but... Mm -hmm right now currently there's always a sense of like, you can go this wasn't done by a human being like you can tell you know there's always kind of like that iffy part in your brain um uncanny valley 
where it kind of just goes in your brain uh, with like what they're doing in the Marvel films, basically, mm-hmm. where they do the de-ageification on the actors. And you can go, oh, it looks amazing, but for just some reason in my brain, I'm mm-hmm. not computing that as a real human being. Yeah. So it's the same thing with AI, and what it does is that you can always go on the internet and see these ads that are you know promoted to you or marketed to you and go, that wasn't done by somebody sitting behind a desk going, oh, we're going to come up with this. And with podcasting, that works extremely well in that way because mm-hmm. right now, at least right now in the foreseeable future, there's never going to be a way to recreate that where you can have a machine sit down and put into an audio log what it is that these people find so fascinating about sitting down with guests like you and talking about these things mm-hmm. because you can't get gen- genuine human conversation out of that. Yes. Yes, and well, yes. Although and there no. is, if yeah. you Google uh, deep fakes, I yes. think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can you can like make Obama's voice say yeah. anything. Well, which Joe, is really yeah. scary. Well, Joe, even, they even have an app for that. Yeah, yeah. On your phone. Well, Joe Rogan, he he got freaked out, uh, and you always refer to him because he's the biggest podcaster. But he's literally got so much content out there that's filled with so many episodes of him saying certain things mm-hmm. that they were able to come up with these randomly generated. Uh, little paragraphs that he was mm-hmm. saying where it was like chimpanzees playing hockey and it just and it sounded and I will and again like I said earlier you could hear it and go wow that really sounds like him but even to somebody like me that's listened to hundreds of hours of those things I'm, and I'm being serious when I say that mm-hmm. I could tell right away like yeah but he wouldn't have said it that way right yeah. there and then you know so I don't know yeah. we're getting there but we're not there yet I don't know if I can tell the difference I think that really? if, you, if you've identified that skill for yourself you might be a very marketable human being oh well I, I, I only say that because like you once you he some people repeat, repeat themselves a lot especially if it's something that they're passionate about so yeah. you can hear in your brain it kind of catalogs like I know that if George were to say something to me and he says well, it was the same thing with emotions and inflection of emotions if he were to say something to me mm-hmm. I've heard him and I live with him that I've heard him say certain things that if it's something that I know he says a lot and he says it a certain way I can tell if he's mad I can tell if he's angry I can tell if he, if there's a problem and I think it's the same thing with mm-hmm. machines kind of like we're you know there's always going to be this level Again, I can't say that there's always going to be that. And that's and again, yeah. that's what's scary about it. Is yeah. that, you know, earlier you were saying, you know, go into that, embrace mm-hmm. it. And I and I think there I think that a lot of people want to embrace it, mm-hmm. but the underlying reasons and the underlying things behind AI and yeah. our data being shared mm-hmm. is that there the the negatives can be stacked up against the pros. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So, with podcasting, it's always going to be a genuine type of shareable content that you can give to people yeah. have people on have genuine conversations and have people care about that mm-hmm. yeah yeah I definitely so agree. do we go to 45 just go to 40 just keep going yeah all right got another six hours coming at you <laughs> um you know my my thoughts on the unemployment rate and how that's gonna you know affect the future of america i think that the politician andrew yang mm-hmm. the yang gang i think that he's 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 uh he's miscalculating i don't have the, the degrees or the experience that he does. Um, but I, li- I did listen to uh, the Berkshire Hathaway annual annual report. And this is seven hours of Warren Buffett and his assistant, uh, Andrew Munger, I can't remember his name, something like that. They just go through and they answer like five, like probably 500, 600 questions from their investors. Mm-hmm. It's this big event out in Omaha. And um, for those of you who don't know, Warren Buffett is was for about four or five years, the richest man on the earth because he, he he's so good at the stock market essentially. Yeah. So he you know he he picked apart the argument of um, automated 
trucking and automated um, customer service um, knocking out the un- the uh, the employment rate mm-hmm. like he, he basically said that you know at one point and this is an argument that I like a lot and this is why I tend to disagree with Andrew Yang is that um, although AI is go- are going to replace these jobs at one time everyone in America or 80% of Americans were employed by the agricultural industry mm. and that's no longer the case because we actually have AI tractors that can do everything that a person yeah. could do back in the 40s and 50s. Um, so these cycles come and go, and there will be a shock to the economy for sure um, in the short term. But in the in but we have very competent um, politicians, as 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 hard as that is to believe, we do actually have very competent <laughs> politicians relative to the rest of the world, um, and they do plan ahead. And at a local level, politicians and our Governments usually do pretty well with addressing these issues. You know, there's there's people in Gainesville right now thinking and in, 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 in trying to figure out how we can employ people in Gainesville, like generate three generations forward. Right, yeah. that's what their day job is. They're economists. They're city planners. Um, they're thinking this is these are the neighborhoods that this demographic will live in, and um, this is the you know the work park, the business park that they'll work in, mm-hmm. and these are the type of um, down to like the outlets. Like these are the outlets that will be needed for this level of power because it's going to be a factory or it's going to be an IT company. So all of this is being thought through. It's not like we're just going to jump. We're going to like fall off a cliff of (laughs) employment because nobody was thinking like everybody's thinking. Yeah. Um, There's a natural progression to everything. mm -hmm. So it will still be interesting to see. But rather than to fear the unknown, it's much better to like do some work and exploit it. Mm-hmm. you know exploit like those those gaps that are going to be there start a business that's going to address that you know if you think that there's going to be 100,000 uh, or actually way more than that truckers that are going to be unemployed create a video game that they can play that simulates or meets the same needs that you know they experienced the benefits of, of driving a truck you know yeah. or create something for them to do that's that's good for the economy don't just sit back and like wait for Andrew Yang to give you a thousand dollars a month because you think <laughs> you need it like it, I'm not. I'm not um, against a universal basic income, but I'm against it indefinitely. Yeah. I think that you ha- you can do it for a time, but it needs to have a sunset. It needs to be a like a. It needs to be able to turn off because, you know, a country that's in twenty six trillion dollars of debt can't afford to just start paying a thousand dollars a month, even if we cut and and totally dissolve all current uh, social expenditure programs like. Even if we did that, I still don't think it would work. It's too many people. Yeah, I it's like yeah, yeah. it's I like st- the mindset of you know to get ourselves out of debt, we'll put ourselves farther into it. It's it makes it, it makes absolute zero sense if yeah. you look at it that way. Yeah, if you if you look at kind of the the nuances behind the U.S. being the um, the stewards of the world's um, reserve currency, it kind of does make sense for us to go into infinite debt really? because we're the only country that could do it. Yeah, so. Oil and most most commodity goods are traded in U.S. dollars, which basically, you know, a couple economics textbooks textbooks later means that there is a little bit of logic in us going into infinite debt as long as you know certain certain um, metrics stay in line. Like, you know, if inflation went above seven percent in the United States, it would it would get really bad, right? Yeah. Or if unemployment went, you know north of north of like 10 percent, it would be really really bad Mm -hmm. 
especially it'd be a terrible time to have that kind of debt. But um, I just I just want to take this time to thank you guys for having me come on your podcast yeah, and talk about sure. you know the complexities of world market economies yeah. and uh, a lot of which the three of us know nothing about. <laughs> if you've made it this far in the podcast, uh, I would urge you that if if you like talking about these kind of things or if you like marketing your company or service or yourself and your personal brand, um, hit up podcast central at podcastcntrl at gmail.com and you can get a consultation going with your boy Taylor Schramm, Taylor Schramm or go to our website at podcastcentral.net and we can get something going for you. Um, we've, we produce the highest quality podcasts on the East Coast um, and I can say that because I don't think highest quality is a legal term. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I will say podcasting, it, it is the future. So get on board, people. You guys got anything you guys want to leave them with? You know where to, you know where to find us. Okay. Well, this is the Talk Your Walk podcast. We're out. That's awesome. <laughs>